developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Severe thunderstorm watch. Is that what you're in? That's what I'm looking at. Uh, I'm not. Oh, okay. This week on Dueling Review, we take a look at Mr. Miracle Number 1. From the team behind the Sheriff of Babylon and the Hugo Award-winning writer of Vision comes a unique take on one of Jack Kirby's most beloved new gods. Scott Free is the greatest escape artist that ever lived, so great that he escaped Granny Goodness's gruesome orphanage and the dangers of Apocalypse to travel across galaxies and set up a new life on Earth with his wife, the former female fury known as Big Barda. Using the stage alter ego of Mr. Miracle, he has made a career of himself showing off his acrobatic escape techniques. He even caught the attention of the Justice League, which counted him among its ranks. You might say Scott Free has everything. So why isn't it enough? Mr. Miracle has mastered every illusion, achieved every stunt, pulled off every trick, except one. He's never escaped death. Is it even possible? Our hero is going to have to kill himself if he wants to find out. I gotta say, this Mr. Miracle was pretty depressing. It I'm not sure I liked it. I mean, I liked it, but I'm not sure I liked it. Right. It's one of those stories, and these come up every once in a while, where the book is interesting and you want more of it, but mm-hmm. not because it was, you know, Somebody fun commits suicide in the first page. Right. It's it's a challenging story. I feel like I've seen some takes on it that may be giving it, you know, it, it's the the whole new comic storytelling. It's uh, okay. Well, well like, maybe so what are, so what are those that. takes that you've seen from other people? Because. I mean, I've seen everyone say it's really, really good. But then to me, this is not I mean, uh, I like Mr. Miracle. I like the new gods. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. that this is the the depths of stuff Jack Kirby was going into going to. Maybe he was, but it doesn't feel like it to me. I mean, I've read the the four volumes of the new God saga Um, and I've I've enjoyed Mr. Miracle in his past incarnations. And it's usually humorous and upbeat and, and sometimes a little intense. And I love the relationship between him and and Barta. And it's always it always seems to be good fun. This feels like it should not have been a DC book. It feels like it should be a Vertigo book, both in the art or, style and direction and the intensity of the story. Or a new young animal book. Yeah, that's yeah, what I yeah. Was. Young animal could also be it. I and that's I mean, that is the biggest question that I have about this is when you get to the end of the story, your immediate thought is what is going on? Yes. I think. I know what's going on. What do you think is going on? And I'll, and I'll share some things that I think is going on. I do not believe that any of the events in this issue after the point where we see Scott bleeding. Oh, you think this happened. is all, this is all, um, I think this a, a is grease, in his head, a or grease ending his, his mind. I think his mind is somehow connected to the source or the afterlife or whatever, yeah. because you keep seeing these kind of recurring themes and these fugue moments and Mm. just at random a panel that just says dark side is yeah and so so you're taking it this is all in a death like his uh 
he's he's dying and this is his dying fantasy brain uh, firing it, and, and telling all this stuff. Well, I don't want to say that because, you know, that's one of the biggest cliches ever. All this <laughs> story is someone's dying dream. Yeah. But it really feels like this is, well, first of all, at one point he dreams or he, he goes on a talk show, which is hosted by Glorious Godfrey. Right. Who is one of Darkseid's minions. Mm-hmm. And he's explaining to Godfrey how he, he killed himself or tried to kill himself so that he could beat death and escape death. Mm-hmm. And Godfrey is like, did you really escape? Yeah. Did so you really, Oh, we're going to commercial. Right. So here's the thing. Here's my take on it. Uh, at one point, Scott's looking into his, in Barta's eyes and he's like, no, your eyes are blue. And she's like, no, they're, they're brown. They've always been brown. And then we get these dark side is dark side is we get this weird, um, moment that, you know, some people I'm sure, uh, will read into, uh, there were two foots, there were two uh, footprints on the beach and then there was one. And that's when a high father said, that's when I was carrying you, Scott, uh, moments in here that that's kind of what that's what that's kind of neat. Actually. I love yeah. that whole scene. Yeah. And then you get the, the thing about Oberon's dead, not dead, but the thing that gets really weird is when, uh, right at the end or they get that message that says that dark side has taken over and he's, you know, he's solved the equation and everything's coming together. And Darkseid has the ability to control people's minds. Mm-hmm. And Scott's like, hey, I don't I don't want to go. And Barter starts punching him, telling him to stand up and get his mind together. And then as they're going into the boom tube, her mm-hmm. eyes are blue again. Which to me says, you're right, this is all in Scott's brain, but this is Darkseid controlling him. Controlling reality. And that's why, and that's why these visual blips of dark side is keeps popping up like a subliminal message in Scott's life or, you know, we're, if we're inside of his mind, suddenly he has these flashes of dark side is in his mind right. so that he's starting to believe everything that, that dark side is feeding him. And you're right. Oberon probably isn't dead. Um, um, there was probably never a discussion or there may have been a discussion in some way as a last attempt. Uh, for High Father to try to communicate with Scott. But mm-hmm. it kind of tells me that at the end, when Barta punches him and is telling him to get his crap together, that he has something has broken in Darkseid's control of him. And that's why her eyes suddenly turn back to blue. Mm, could be interesting. And it you have to mention that, you know, when she's punching him, it's exactly the same thing that Orion does earlier right. in the issue. Right. Orion literally shows up in their living room punches him, knocks him down and orders him to stand in the style of granny goodness. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, during that whole segment, Barta is like only granny can teach. Mm-hmm. It's another thing that it feels like it's some sort of mind control or indoctrination or some sort of not real scenario that we see going yeah, on. Yeah, And here. so the, the other thing then that would, would tie into that is that uh, in the Oberon segment, if you notice Scott is all in color, Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Than- Thanagarian uh, handcuffs are in color, but Oberon has this kind of like paper wash kind of all over him where it's like tape and coffee stains and everything all over the panel or anything involving uh, Oberon and that stuff. Right. But he's a ghost. He's a ghost. But scroll back up to where um, Orion appears and his helmet is kind of the same way. And in the background where he appears full body is kind of the same way, which makes you think that, oh, here is an influence from an outside source. Mm. 
That is interesting. Yeah, it's, I, it's. I mean, from the visual, I mean, everything about this book is really, really interesting. But it's, it's a the minute when you open up a book with someone bleeding out because they've slit their wrists on the floor, to me is something that I'm suddenly going, oh, this is a this is going to be an uncomfortable story, and I'm and I'm not opposed to uncomfortable stories because I think comic books should make you feel uncomfortable at times. This to me though doesn't feel like a DC book. It feels like a vertigo subject matter book. And that's my biggest kind of weirdness about this book. Otherwise it's real fascinating and I want to see where it goes. And I want to see if these things that you and I are talking about mm -hmm. are really playing out like, <clears throat> Hey, this really was a dream. This is dark side influencing his mind. Barta punching him and her eyes turning blue is a huge visual clue and not just a printing error on someone's part. Right. The, visuals in this issue, the effects and the treatments of the art are fascinating. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really subtle work in here that is incredibly good at kind of drawing you into the story and not realizing at first what it is you're looking at. At one point we see Scott sitting on the couch, just having a, an existential crisis. Right. And mother box is pinging and behind him is the cover of Mr. Miracle number mm -hmm. one from 1971. Mm -hmm. And the first time I saw that, I'm like, Oh, that's wait, wait. Uh, Oh, and then of course my brain is starting to think, is that some sort of external reference to, is this just, you know, is it just a clever bit of a poster in his house or are they telling something? Are we going back right. to the beginning? Who right. In, 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 in that case, it also brings up a whole lot of questions because where do the new gods currently fit in this DC continuity? Because, uh, you know, before this whole rebirth thing, we weren't in the fourth world. We were in the fifth world and the gods and all their stuff had come to pass. And, you know, it got really weird and, and maybe not so good uh, for people who are fans of the new God stuff. Are we resetting? Is this the fourth world stuff now? It certainly looks like the fourth world stuff. I mean, I don't know what's going on with a bug. Uh, in bug that is series. a young animal title, which I think means that it's non-canonical to okay. the DCU. So, I mean, that's something that, that needs to be addressed. And you're right. The visuals get even more interesting when you look at the page, which you assume is is Scott, because it's this little boy who is in class and they're telling this, this story about, you know, the Teacher told everybody they could draw whatever they want, and some kids drew spaceships, some of them drew dinosaurs. Here's this little boy who said he drew God, and the teacher said, "Well, that's nice. No one knows what God knows knows what God looks like." And then the little boy says, "Yeah, until now, you can see that the T-shirt is red and yellow, and it's got the two yellow dots right, right where Mister Miracle's uh, costume would be." But then the other right. thing that's really weird, and this is what makes the art so so good, is that there is tape like clear cellophane tape over the boy's eye in all six of those iterations or five iterations of that boy in that panel, which is yep. also telling you something subtly. And if that's what they're doing, if they're really pulling a big, you know, I always complain about uh, um, Grant Morrison in his, in his stuff can be so infuriating until you read it all at once. And then you see how everything's being built and put together. I kind of hope that's what they're doing here is they're using every, every cool technique that they can to subtly let the audience know what's going on so that you can read this on so many different levels. I really, really hope that that's what this is because if it's not, then I'm going to be really disappointed. Yeah. Well, there's, this is a Tom King story. Mm -hmm. There's definitely going to be something going on that we aren't seeing. And there's yeah. definitely going to be, 
you know, a kind of a delving into the human condition and what it means to think and feel and be stuff. So mm-hmm. you're, I'm, I'm fine with that. I really think that, and even if this does turn out to be someone's dying dream, mm-hmm. no story, no trope is necessarily bad. It just feels like I don't want to have to explain to somebody that that's what this is because they're immediately going to think, oh, I've heard that a thousand yeah. times. No, I think he's just under a mind control. A I think he's just under a mind control. It's interesting. In any yeah, case, it really is. I, I want to read more of this. This is a 12 issue mini or a 10 issue. Mini? I don't remember. Issue. It's got to be 12. But uh, yeah. this is I mean, this is a really good first issue. It is uncomfortable. There's a lot of subject matter in here, uh, especially when. Most of the issue is dancing around the subject of his attempted suicide and, he's, you know, he did attempt suicide. He's defeating death. He's, he's escaping yes, death. He's trying to escape death. Right. And so, you know, he's deflecting. Scott free is deflecting. Barta doesn't know how to bring up the questions uh, or, or Ryan is mad and angry. Like some people would be uh, if their friend attempted to commit suicide and try trying to straight the, straighten them out. A uh, high father is just like, Hey man, I'm always here with you. Even if it means we have to, you know, walk on the beach together, it, it, it there's so much in here about the aspect of suicide, which is, which is interesting, but also I think is going to be uncomfortable for a lot of people. But yeah, maybe that's just me and, and in my reading of it. No, I think it's definitely there, but I think there's also, if you are in a place where you can approach this and really kind of feel it in the right ways or mm-hmm. you know it, it, if the material can strike you in the right way i feel like this is a book that has some really interesting stuff to say i also think that it's very important on some level that the only panel that or the only page that doesn't contain a dark side is panel mm-hmm. is the panel with the page with high father right which He's makes in that me protected that place maybe Maybe your theory about this is correct, and that's actually High Father con- communicating with him. Mm-hmm. I want to go back. I'm but, trying to look on the Orion pages. I guess they don't do it there, but in the Oberon pages, there's tape over Oberon's face, too. Uh, that, that, and, of course, Oberon is telling the same joke or story that opens yep. the book. But it's just the, right. the visuals on this is really cool. And, of course, it follows the nine-panel uh, layout for mm-hmm. most of the issue, which I think is also interesting. I kind of... I like the nine panel layout. I know some people really despise it, um, but for me, it really works, uh, providing that you break it up on uh, often enough. So we get a, you know, a double page splash followed by a single page followed by, you know, the nine panel grid for most of the issue until you get to the uh, final uh, couple of pages where you then go back into a single black page that is just dark side is. And then you get back into your final nine panel grid and it just kind of ends right there. Yeah, I like the nine panel grid as a storytelling technique because it feels like it conveys more information. Mm-hmm. And when you have that many panels, you can, when done correctly, actually feel like a lot more has happened in this book with nine individual mm-hmm. segments on each of the 20 pages than you would get in a book that may have, you know, a different grid or threes and fives and sixes. But Again, it's all in the execution, and the execution here of this grid is amazing. And yes. I didn't, I didn't notice the nine-panel grid until you mentioned it. Oh yeah. Well, I, I mean, I did, but I, I wasn't thinking. Hey guys, nine-panel grid, <laughs> just like Watchmen. Watchmen yep. was all nine-panel grid. <laughs> well, and then again, there is this. There's probably some symmetry in here too. If you want to go back to 
uh, things that are going on in the book. I mean, how many yep. pages in? Let's see. Uh, you've got one, two, three. Page four is the um, Scott Free telling the God joke. And if we go back one, two, three, nope, four pages from the end is not the Oberon stuff. So, you know, there's not a symmetry there, but I really like just the subliminalness of dark side is dark side is, and it starts to increase as the end of the book goes. It's just really cool. I, I really, again, I like this book and I'm glad we talk about it. Cause I was really super uncomfortable after reading this book, but after going back and analyzing it uh, with you and, and before the show started, it, it makes me feel better about the book, but I still think that if you're going in thinking that this is going to be uh, scot-free laughing it up and having grand adventures, yeah. um, yeah, this it's, is, it's not the jammed amount of uh, Mr. Miracle from the 90s. Yeah, definitely not. It is not. Yeah, but it, I give it a thumbs up, though. I do, too. And this is different than a Grant Morrison take on the new gods, but it is, again, something that takes what Kirby created from the new gods and uses it to kind of establish a, a different story or to try and address something more than just a grand war in the heavens, which don't get me wrong. That's a great story. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's part of the reason why the new gods are around and why DC has made dark side, the villain of everything because he's dark side. Yeah. He's the biggest villain. We're just going to have him be around all the time. Yeah. And that's, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Keep paying the Kirby family and I'll, I'll be kind of fine with that. But I guess my, I guess is, I guess I just wish that, you know, like, um, with uh what's his name uh titan mad god titan over there on marvel thanos you know every time that he appears it's always the infinity gems and the infinity gauntlet and i think there's more to a villain than just being a one-dimensional one trick i gotta get the infinity gauntlet kind of villain i mean the whole thanos uh miniseries where he was dead and came back and he had to basically fight his way back to the top or whatever that was that we reviewed a while ago that was interesting um, but it seems like every time Darkseid is around, it's always like it's the anti-life equation. I'm obsessed, obsessed with the anti-life equation. And I can understand that if you're super obsessed with something. Right. But I think you can have more to Darkseid than just constantly every appearance is anti-life, anti-life, anti-life. Because quite frankly, that anti-life equation and then everybody in the DC universe turning into zombies really kind of ruined Anything interesting about Darkseid and the New Gods um, when whoever was in charge of that story arc a couple of years ago? The Final Crisis story arc? Yeah, the one where, you know, where the one where uh, Darkseid found the anti-life equation and then he yeah. turned everybody into zombies and there was like a whole portion of the planet that was just like dead zone and you had, you know, the, the heroes trying to combat them and many of them were turning into... I just, I really hated that, yeah, that, was, that arc. That was uh, Final Crisis or part of Final part Crisis. Part of Final Crisis, yeah. Yeah. But Final Crisis was a mess. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, give Darkseid a little something else to do. Yeah, Darkseid can go and buy a new bathing suit. Yes, he needs Back. to. That one piece that he's been wearing since 1963 is getting a little, uh, get a little rank. Dude, Darkseid was created in 1971. Don't be that He's been guy. around since 1963. No, he has not. <laughs> Don't be that guy. He didn't. He didn't. He wasn't like, born fully formed. My granddad form. had the uh, the first Spider-Man from 1939. <laughs> Don't be that. Guy. Actually, there would have been a Spider-Man, but not the Marvel Spider-Man. I'm hanging up now. You know that Paul Piro Spider-Man? I remember the spider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember the alias the spider, different spider. Yeah, yeah. 
I remember the spider queen. Yeah, see? All them spiders. The whole spider family. Don't you do it. So good, good, good book for you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, this is really, really solid. This is probably my favorite take on Mr. Miracle. Ooh, gosh. I don't know. This may actually go back to the Justice League International stuff in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I do like that, you know, even the first page where they've got the, the zipatone or the, the dots all over the printing dots kind of reflects back to that very first issue of Mr. Miracle that uh, that Kirby Kirby introduced us to him in. It reminds us that these are just lines on paper. Yeah, they really are. Anyway, coming out next week from Dark Horse Comics, we have Dead Inside Trade Paperback Volume 1. There you go, since uh, following on this uh, topic here. Called Don't Open Dead Inside? Nope, just said Dead Inside. Uh, we also have Neil Gaiman's American Gods Shadow Number 6. That'll conclude that first arc for that series. Uh, over at DC Comics, there's Aquaman number 27, Astro City number 46. And listeners, if you if you are not checking out Majorspoilers.com on a regular basis, uh, you really should be because every month, and I, this has been going on now for, what, two years now, uh, yeah. Matthew uh, and Kurt Busick uh, sit down and they have an interview about the issue that has just come out. So, you know, in a, in a couple of weeks. I, my close personal friend, Kurt Busick, <laughs> and I. So in a couple of weeks, uh, hopefully, I don't know how often after the book is released, you, you get it up, but it's usually within a week or so. Of it really does depend on Kurt's uh, workload. Some yeah, days yeah. he'll get it to me immediately. Some days it takes a week or two. Once it took six weeks and he apologized, but you know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, go over to Majorspoilers.com and check those out because they're always fascinating reads and gives you a little bit more insight into what's going on in the issue and uh, some other things. And I'm super happy that we're, we're able to run that. Uh, as often as we can. And I'm so glad that Kurt is open to doing that um, yes. every every month or so. So uh, go check that out at Majorspoilers.com. It's, it's called Inside Astro City. He doesn't spoil things. He doesn't give away what's coming. But there are always little hints and allegations and things that a month or two down the line, you can go, that's what Kurt meant. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. what Kurt meant. If you go back, man, it's full of little Easter eggs and things that are now coming true. And I'm like... A year ago, Kurt said this, and that's what my close personal friend, Kurt Busick, <laughs> meant. You know, you never say that about me. You never go, so go, my close personal friend, Steven Schleicher. I'm kind of offended. I don't see why. I'm kind of offended. <laughs> Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, number 11. A DC Comics bombshells, number 33. A Green Arrow, 29. There's a lot of books. I mean, so many books coming out from DC Comics next week. Uh, it's a it's a big long list, uh, including six pack and dog dog wel, dog welder hard traveling heroes trade paperback. Welder. Yeah, he welds dogs to uh, people's faces. Yes, that's why he's he called dog welder. Justice. Yes, IDW publishing. Isn't that a Grant? Is no, that's not a Grant Morrison. That's a Garth Ennis character. That is a Garth yeah. Ennis character from uh, Hitman. Hitman. He's part of the Section Eight. Yeah, man. And the only bad part about Dog Welder is the fact that you almost can't read a Dog Welder story without reading about Bueno Excelente, who is just nauseating. <laughs> IDW Publishing has 24 Legacy Rules of Engagement number four. So if you're a big 24 fan and you want to know what happens outside of the TV show, which I don't think is ever coming back. Uh, yeah. Comic books, IDW Publishing. Also, Dungeons and Dragons, Frost Giants Fury number four. Didn't uh, we cover number one of that like a year ago? Yeah, we did. Hmm. Maybe it's a bi-monthly. Maybe, but you know, to, to be honest, Matthew, uh, yeah. the way the way Wizards of the Coast is is releasing their games stuff, 
every quarter they release a new theme or a new story adventure. So, you know, it started out with uh, Tiamat's Revenge and then the Dragon something or other, and then it kept building and building and bu- building. And I want to say two quarters ago, like in December, October, December, somewhere around there, that's when they released the Frost Giants Fury stuff. And Giants. now, and, and, and in September, they're releasing the new one, which is um, Tomb of Annihilation. And so, in my mind, somebody's behind. Because my guess is they would have had Frost Giants Fury wrapped up. Maybe they want to wrap up with the end of the arc of the story of the game. Maybe. And lead directly into the new arc, uh, the dwarf lieutenant's woman. Maybe. I I don't know. I do know. Shades of Elf. I do know that Revolutionaries number seven comes out next week, as does ROM number 12, and Time and Vine number two. Over at Image Comics, they have Curse Words number seven, uh, Rat Queens number five, and Southern Bastard 17. Marvel Comics, a short list from Marvel next week. And of course, this is a preliminary list that we have. You'll want to check Majorspoilers.com Monday afternoons. That's when we put up the complete list, if Stephen remembers. Uh, and then you yeah. can see everything that's there. Uh, but Marvel Comics has Deadpool 2099 trade paperback, Edge of Venomverse number one. That's a second printing. That one must be popular. Mm, you know, people love that Venom. Is that what they want? More Venom? Yeah, it's, it's pronounced Venom. All right. Invincible Iron Man number 10, Luke Cage number four. And then, of course, for the 100th anniversary of Jack Kirby's birth, True Believers, Kirby 100th, Captain America number one. You can get that for a buck. And you can also get the Eternals number one, the True Believers, uh, Kirby 100th anniversary tribute for a buck. And you might also want to go pick up X-Men Blue number nine. In all the rest category, we have Karate number five, uh, Attack on Titan before the fall graphic novel, uh, Divinica number two. I don't know what that is, uh, but it doesn't oh, have a bunch uh, of Dave, variant covers. Dave Inca, actually. Oh, okay. His name is Dave, and he's an Incan uh, sure weatherman. Divi Nica? No. Okay. Because that would be foolish. Grim Fairy Tales, Tarot number one, uh, Infinite Seven number six. Looker's Ember number one. Do you want to guess at how many variant covers we have on this one? Well, it's got two titles, so I'm going to say at least six. Um, You're close. Mm-hmm. Multiply that times three. Good Lord. 18 covers? 18 covers. There's a nude cover. Well, so they've got the regular cover. They've got a right. GGA homage, a right. GGA homage nude cover, a luscious huh. cover, luscious nude, nude, red hot, <laughs> Red Hot Nude, Sexy Spies, oh, Sexy Spies right. Nude, Webcam, uh, Webcam Bikini, Webcam Bikini Nude, Webcam Bikini Topless. Wait. Workout, Workout Nude, Wrap and a Wrap Nude. Cover and a nude cover. I, I don't How know. How can she be a nurse if she's not wearing any clothes? <laughs> I mean, these are the questions you have to ask yourself. Uh, Misfit City number four and Secret Weapons number three. And then don't forget Warhammer 40K Dawn of War three number two. Dawn of War. Is that the same Dawn from Dawn of Justice? Because she's a busy. She's busy. very busy. Uh, this one's D-O-N. Oh, that's, Don, <laughs> you know, it's Don Wells from yes, Gilligan's Island. That's, that's what it is. Next week on Dueling Review. Future Quest presents number one, written by Jeff Parker, art by Ariel Olivetti. After the thrilling events of Future Quest, a new age of adventure begins. First up, Space Ghost! Space Ghost!
and his young wards Jen and Jace team up with the Herculoids to rebuild the mighty Space Force. Will they rise again to become defenders of the galaxy? Or is something lurking in the shadows ready to stop them for good? You can show your support for this show and everything we do at Major Spoilers by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. You got something out of this show. You found some little bit of uh, information, humor, whatever. Consider giving a little bit back. Uh, sign up for just maybe even a buck a month or two bucks a month. Uh, the more you spend, the more you get back from us. Your contribution, though, does keep this show going. It pays for our growing costs, and it gives us the motivation to produce more for you each and every week. So thank you so much for checking out Dueling Review, and we will talk with you next time when you'll hear Matthew say... If every pork chop was perfect, we wouldn't play hopscotch. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hurry into Ram Power Days and experience the raw power of the Ram 3500 with available best-in-class torque and towing among 350-3500 pickups when properly equipped. Strap yourself in for one powerful ride in the Ram TRX with the most horsepower of any gas pickup ever built. Or the Ram 1500, awarded number one in driver appeal among light-duty pickups by J.D. Power three years in a row. Hurry into Ram Power Days going on now. For J.D. Power 2022 U.S. award information, visit jdpower.com awards.